Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello Evertonians and welcome back to the Toffee Web Podcast where we're contemplating the rare prospect of Everton playing a football match this weekend. The Blues travel to Southampton having played just once in the space of almost a month and will now play nine games in six weeks before the season pauses for the World Cup in Qatar. I'm joined by Paul and Andy. Uh, fellas, we were pondering last week whether, whether we'd have enough to talk about uh, and given that it was an international break, but in that time we've lost a key player to injury, sold another one on to Abu Dhabi. Um, but I suppose we'll start with today's news, in quotes, that uh, Maciek uh, Kaminski is reportedly in advanced talks with Farhad Mashiri to buy Everton. Uh, now, I suppose the fact um, that the club's currently trading at a $70 million discount to three months ago because of uh, the Sterling being in the crapper uh, probably has a lot to do with this surfacing now as a possibility. Um, but it doesn't seem as though things are any further along than they were when the Kaminskis were hoping to have uh, everything sewn up by the time we played in Minnesota in July. So, um, And of course, in between, um, Mashiri's insisted that Everton's not for sale. So I don't know. What, what, what do we make of it? It's hard to know what to make of it. It's, um, it's I've only really seen like a, a tweet about it pretty much. For, but, I mean, I don't know. You feel like the Financial Times, that's where it's from. And tends to be sort of uh, quite reputable over the fort. So that's the thing mm-hmm. for me. It's not like it's in a tabloid or something. So I guess there's that. Um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. It's, it's, it's hard to call how that would happen. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned that the, uh, oh, because of, because of the, the state of the pound at the moment, that might strike me though as, why would he sell when the pound's so low? Would he want to wait till the pound's a bit higher? You know, I, mean, I don't know when, mm-hmm. he's, when he's going to get more for it. Who knows? So that's a, I have to say it, it's, it's a very early rumour, isn't it? That's uh that's what you can say. It feels like it, if there is more of it, 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 it kind of feels like a bit of a, if there's ever a good time for this sort of thing, not good time, because Everton just finally seems to sort of finally getting heralded by Evertonians, at least for, you know, for good transfer, you know, um, planning and good transfer expenditure, good 
it's some good work that's fancy window. But um more docks coming along rapidly, you know what I mean? It's all quite positive actually Evan at the moment. So um I think a few months a good few months back there's protests and that you and Mashevi would have sold that probably wouldn't wouldn't have been an awful lot of people who've been disappointed. Now it might might have flipped slightly, who knows? So uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that happen uh, how that pans out really. It's always um going into the unknown, isn't it, with a new owner and it's uh it's uh, uh, it's not very welcome for me at the moment, I don't think. To me, it, it kind of never really felt like it went away. I mean, because the, I, I don't see Mashiri as being an active member in any way, an, an active owner, sorry, in any way. Um, he hasn't been to a game in, well, almost a year. Um, not at Goodison anyway. Um, it, it it doesn't feel like he's in any way connected with the club at the moment because mostly we're doing sensible things. Um, I, I, to me, it's never really gone away that there could be something surfacing. Um, it's when it surfaced again, I guess. Um, I didn't expect it now. Now is a strange time. Um, but I don't know. Um, I I would maybe maybe have expected something maybe to come back in the World Cup kind of time, maybe or maybe next summer. Now um, I don't quite know where this is where this has come from today, but um, I think at some point we've got to accept that Mashiri is going to want to get out, and um, maybe um, maybe maybe this all starts again, and he maybe he'll go sooner rather than later. I don't know, but yeah, t- to me it's been an inevitability that we'll be hearing stories like this. Um, over the months because he's clearly he's clearly distant isn't he he's clearly and he's clearly not involved in any decision making at the moment because as, as i said it's not got his it's not got the hallmarks of machinery over the club at the moment it's um it's very sensible it's uh it's forward forward thinking forward planning so yeah um and you're right paul i mean do we actually want it now that's the thing i mean it's so disruptive Potentially, yeah. And thanks, uh, you know, I don't know. It's a good thing with Frank. We feel, you know, what I mean, with the uh, with that all change of a uh, new guys come in and you get different relationships and they want different. It, it, yeah, well, it's entirely speculative, isn't it? You know what 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 what's happening and what could happen. So we'll just have to wait and see, really. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just <laughs> I think when you tweeted it before, Andy, on the, the sort of WhatsApp group, it's like message before on the WhatsApp group, it's like just when we were having a normal day, just when uh, <laughs> felt like a, a just, you know, felt very unevident today. It was just a normal day, and uh, there we go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it feels like it's always being driven from the American side in terms of the briefing of the press. Um, you know, there's been a fair amount of. Uh, I don't know, unease among people who track this kind of thing about how it's sort of being played out in the press when that's not normally how these things are done. You know, they're normally done more on the quiet for the real serious players. Um, and, and if that is the case, that it is being, you know, driven by Kaminsky's side, then I, I do think that he is sort of looking at the economic conditions and, and seeing, a, you know, a potential... Um, you know, opportunity to strike while the while the iron's hot, and it's you know he can, as I say, he can get the the club at a steep discount. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> it, it's unsettling for the reasons that you state. You know that we are that things do seem do seem to be uh, moving in the right direction, and as I think the point that we've made a couple of times on the podcast is that you know a, a chastened and a Mashiri who's learned his lessons is and is prepared to 
you know, let Kevin Thurwell and Frank Lampard just get on with the job is not necessarily the worst thing in the world, um, unless he does for his own financial needs needs to pull out, you know, as quickly as, as possible because of what's gone on with with Usmanov and USM and and you know maybe his own financial situation would dictate that he needs to 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 sell. But um, yeah, I certainly. I certainly wouldn't want to rock the boat right now, particularly with Brownie Moore Doc, you know, potentially two years away from completion. Um, you know, all the indications are that he's committed to getting that done. Um, and once it's completed, it certainly um, would increase the value of the club and he you know, stands to get more out of it than he does now, you know, than if he were to sell now. So, yeah, again, maybe it's coming from the American side. Maybe that's, that's where all the... Um, all the noise is coming from. We'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I, 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 I share your unease for that reason, and also because Mashiri's made plenty of mistakes, but he was at least involved in football from you know to begin with. He was a shareholder at Arsenal for many, many years, and has you know been described as a football man. I don't think we know whether we can say the same thing about the Kaminskys. We don't know anything about them. So, um, I mean, you've got someone like Todd Bowley coming to Chelsea and making noises about introducing certain American aspects to the English game. Um, that's the kind of thing that you worry about. Um, you know, so an outsider who you really don't much know, know much about. So, and so I think until we know more about them, um, yeah, we don't, we can't, we don't really know what to feel about it. I mean, certainly <laughs> the, the, the red flag for me was that they're, they're hastily um, produced. Um, what was it? What's the name of their organization? They can, cam sports or something i mean it was literally just one a one page website with a contact us page that went to a holding page with the you know with the holding text still in place so that was my uh was my concern is that if they if they really know what they're doing then surely they're going to have things boxed off better than that but yeah we'll have to wait and see yeah i just wonder but the machine i don't know is his ego bigger than how much he wants to sell? I don't know. Like I think he's built, and he doesn't. He doesn't strike me as a particularly egotistical sort of fella. But like I just think if you if you're putting all this into that, you know, the, into that stadium, like the house that Jack built, you know, it's like you want when it opens, when the first game, you probably want to be there and be that guy with that like, look what I've done. I've built this Premier League uh, football stadium here. Yeah, I mean that gives him good kudos around the world. I would have thought being the guy who's developed, who's, who's been responsible for doing that, and you want that. You don't want some other guy coming and just taking the credit for it in the end if you get out now but if, if, if the money's more important if he doesn't want that yeah you know, I, I don't know that's one thing because because now it's not that far away yeah i mean you just think uh no. you know you could sell after that probably or then you might have a change of tune it might be doing a lot better you know what I mean? it's it's it's, it's, it's hard. Could be. Yeah, yeah yeah but i mean yeah. at, at this point that's his legacy you know having mm. having failed to this point on the pitch the stadium is his legacy, and it—I mean, it's if it goes off the, you know, flawlessly, it's a pretty incredible legacy to have, you know, for the city and the club. Um, so, like you say, why wouldn't you want to be there when it when it all opens? Exactly, it's like I say. Now we're only talking end of next season. Yeah, you know I mean, it's it's not long. Yeah, you know I mean, so like, uh, and maybe Everton in a better position to, you know, maybe Everton in a, a more attractive proposition to sell by that point because they got that, you know, brand new stadium. Who knows? So, like, maybe. He's waiting for that. I don't know. I've, I've got, I've got no, <laughs> no knowledge of the, you know, how it all works financially and where he's mm-hmm. at. Um, someone better educated on me than, on that than me would be able to tell you more. But yeah, it just seems to me <laughs> easy to say. If that was me, I think I'd like to be the guy who was there at the, at the, at the time when, when, when the stadium opens. You know. 
I think there was a time a few weeks ago, well, probably longer than that now, where you could argue either way whether we wanted Mashiri to probably go at this stage or, you know, pass it on to somebody else. Um, probably the beginning of the summer, I'd imagine. But everything that's happened since, you kind of think it's probably the better the devil we know. Um, and I think that kind of that period has kind of just been smoothed over and and we, we're, we're now very much looking forward, aren't we? Um, so, yeah, to me, it would be a really disappointing move if it happened now. I might have felt differently three months ago or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, it feels like we've made a clean slate without him going, if you see what I mean. The, the whole emphasis and ethos seems to be better now. So let's hope yeah. he keeps hold of it for a while. Yeah, we'll see. Well, at least, in, you know, maybe invite some other players in because it does seem like Kaminsky's are the only ones still at the table, but uh, you know, maybe if the, if the pound keeps sinking, there'll be other other people involved. I suppose the biggest other story of the break was uh, Nathan Patterson picking up uh, that injury on international duty. It looks like it'll keep him out of action until after the World Cup. Um, I wasn't watching because I was on the road, but when you pinged the group Paul with the message that he'd gone off injured, it felt like the most unsurprising <laughs> thing in the world. I mean, it was literally the first game that an Everton player was involved in, and it, you know it gets stretched off, um, which is just typical Everton, really. You know, at the time it looked to be a really serious one, um, so while it's gutting to leave him to lose him for five weeks, it's still obviously a massive relief that there's no surgery or or ruptured ligaments involved, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. But when uh, I, uh, I was putting my son to bed, I think, and uh, yeah, Ken says and Katya said, uh, "Oh, someone's just gone off injured, like for Scotland." And I just froze because <laughs> I knew, <laughs> and I wound it, and I just like I think I went uh, in, in my angst, went too far past it, and just, it took me ages going back and forth just to find it. And so it was so innocuous as well. It was like the time it was almost like for the second for the minute or so, it wasn't really picked up properly. I don't think, and then it was just. Uh, it's just oh no! It looked it looked very bad. It looked like a very bad fall, and it looked like you, you've seen them sort of uh, landings become big injuries. Um, so and given he's he'd been over on that ankle before and had to have surgery, yeah. It, and you just you you, you you could only assume it was like six months, nine months, or something like that, couldn't you? Really? So um, yeah, it's a big relief that it's only uh, four or five weeks or something like that. So um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it says a lot, doesn't it? That we're actually made up that it's a that that it's a, a short period of time. It shows how well he's done, really. That he's um, that we're delighted that he's going to be back quite soon. So uh, big relief there. Um, certainly could have been a lot worse, and I think we all thought thought it was, didn't we? Um, um, were we all desperately checking Twitter every sort of five minutes to try and find out what the extent <laughs> of the injury was? Yes, yes. Because the one uh, <laughs> one day when Everton released like an insane amount of footage on on uh, Twitter, like uh, of, of like even like uh, uh, Umani Asperis popped up, and then on the <laughs> on this day, folks, who think they're just giving us loads of good news, to give us some bad news. <laughs> Cynical Evertonians, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, relief in the end. My mind went back to uh, this time, pretty much this time last season, when Decore got injured, because at the time, he was the one cog that you wouldn't want to take out of the machine. And I know we have lots of players that are really performing well at the moment, but if you look across the squad at what we can cover um, with with a similar quality, it's only really Mopai, Mopay, that that you wouldn't want to go down um, as much as Patterson, because the obviously we, we, we'll probably move on to this, who's going to play there, but um, he's the one lad that's you know 
been absolutely superb. And you look at the depth of the squad and you think, mm, we're not quite getting Patterson level back, if you see what I mean. Um, it might, that's where my mind went. I mean, I, do we go on a big rant here about the Nations League and why we're playing international friendlies now? Um, I'd probably have to sign off the next hour for that. Um, but um, glorified friendlies in the middle of a season. Um, I, when am I right in saying neither team are in the World Cup? Um, I mean, no. it's just ridiculous. And you know, I was thinking about this. Okay, what's the alternative? They have to play matches. The players want to play for their international teams. I get that. I get where you want caps and you want to represent your country. If I was ever good enough at anything to represent my country, of course I'd want to do it. But could we not say, I don't know, if the World Cup starts in whenever it does, can we not kind of just give each team, and even the teams not competing at the World Cup, a few weeks before the World Cup starts, they kind of sign off from their club commitments and they go away to their countries a little bit earlier. So there's a distinct line between club football and international football. And okay, if he gets injured in the first Scotland friendly of that little period, then you think, oh, well, you know, that's a shame. But the fact that it directly knocks onto us, I don't know. It's just... It's just I, I have so little time for international football now, and I find myself kind of I find myself getting even worse with it for with every international break. Thinking, why are we doing this? I mean, I can understand if there's a tournament. Yeah, okay, I get that. And this year's tournament is a mess anyway. And when it when it is, where it is, whatever. But I mean, surely there's a better way of doing it than just putting these punctuation marks in the season. And, and, and whatever happens on that particular training camp or, or, or those particular friendlies directly directly impacts their Premier League team. Um, it just seems madness. Um, yeah. And this is a team. This is a team and a player not even going to the World Cup. I mean, you know. Well, the, the thing about it is, is it's the Nations League is all wrapped up in the qualification process for Euro twenty twenty four, isn't it? And that's the problem. I mean, I'm like you. I'm the ultimate, you know, sort of fair weather international football observer. I just wait until the, the big tournaments come around and watch it then because I have absolutely no interest. And I suppose, you know, if you're a, a fan of England or one of the major nations, then you just think, well, why the hell are we bothering playing all these ridiculous qualifying matches in the first place? But then you obviously you, you cut off the avenue for the smaller nations to um to compete. I mean, maybe, I mean, this is very kind of European Super League way of looking at it, but if you could find a way of reducing the number of games that the bigger nations play and let the smaller nations kind of duke it out to, to, to qualify, um, I don't I don't know. It's, it doesn't really work the same, way, the same way as club football because, you know, you get major investment in a club and you can you can vault, you know, obviously to, to a high echelon in the game, whereas that's much harder to do when you're a smaller nation with smaller resources and that may always be the case but uh yeah i mean it's it does it seems utterly pointless i'm not too sure what came out of the fa um discussions last week about you know messing around with the the efl cup and the fa cup replays and all the rest of it i don't think anything newsworthy came out of that did it but the thing that makes that i wonder is given the stakes now for the for the big clubs premier league clubs in, in particular I just wonder how long this 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 sort of international football thing is going to be tenable 
given just how how expensive these players are now to acquire and you know and and, and maintain on wages and the insurance and all the rest of it and you know you, you treat them the best way you can with your own medical staff and then they go away for one international game and they get crocked and it's like it, it just it seems very incongruous to me and I wonder whether the the pressure might ultimately come to bear that international football changes but I suppose we'll have to wait and see yeah could change at one point um I actually look a little bit differently though the the, the Nations League I actually quite like because or liked like, like, I'm not sure. I'm still on the fence. But like the um, <laughs> what I liked about it in the first instance was when it first came around was because all of a sudden you were getting games of like evenly matched teams. So like in the Group A of the of the Nations League, you had say I don't know England in a group of Germany and Netherlands and Belgium, say for example, or France or whoever teams you you know you'd be competing with at the top, and then the division below you'd have teams. Yeah, like we just have with Scotland and Ukraine of a similar level understanding. You can get promoted and relegated. And when that came in, I thought that was the replacement for the for the qualifying. But no, it's not. It's alongside it. So, well, if that was the case, where that was your sort of seeding and ranking for getting in, and there is some waiting for getting into goes into the World Cup of it. If that was the only thing that did it, then that would be fine because that would be you're playing competitive games against teams that you're yeah, that are your standard. You've got someone to aim for and going up and not getting relegated. There's chances for the teams like the Faroe Islands to have some sort of shot at getting in there. And it all kind of makes sense. But then alongside that, they're doing that and they're doing this big, stupid sort of like six-team qualifying group when England gets to play, gets to hammer Andorra twice, 8-0, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And it's just like, that's, that's the pointless stuff for me. That's where, where, where I just don't really see any, any value or for anybody in that side of things. Whereas... The Nations League, look, when I, when I came in, I thought, great, there's finally a, a, like a viable replacement for this, which is actually good. You can watch it and it's, it's going to be competitive football. But then they did them both. And that's what I don't understand. That's where they could make it more competitive. It should be some sort of seeding. Like they got the world rankings. Does it really, we really need that. You've just played them sort of games. You just seed the teams and they go, okay, there's your top 36 You know, teams based around all the, the continents. And there you go. You know what I mean? And, well, it seems like there's easier ways of doing it than the way, than the way that they do it in terms of qualifying for the tournaments but yeah to get a player injured in, in a game like that like you say it's 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 frustrating isn't it but at least it's only four or five weeks and not four or five six months it could have been a lot worse i always i almost feel annoyed at the number of minutes we've spoken about it because it's so much it's like talking of talking about something you know you hate um <laughs> and then you can't stop talking about it oh so international football i oh i've I just when I, when I switched on the telly the other night and it was in, it was England Italy and I thought I watched it for like two minutes and thought why am I watching this what <laughs> I know it's a, I know it's association football as we know it but I have no interest I prefer it if it was I prefer if they put a League One game on on a Friday night but anyway yeah. anyway be, be faster moving anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 we'll move swiftly on from international football then, and uh, we'll talk about the one one more departure from the Everton squad, the very late departure based on the uh, delayed transfer window in the UAE, and that's Alan leaving. I kind of have mixed mixed feelings about it. Not 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 the fact that we actually let him go because I think it actually makes sense, but I, I just feel like we got him a bit late in his career. I liked I liked him as a player, and I think he was you know he had all the uh, the requisite commitment that you'd want 
but ultimately, I think uh, it was probably a, a good decision to move him on. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I liked him. I liked him, Alan. I thought he uh, was a good... Um, probably, I think it was a position Carlo sort of needed to fill. And then he got one of his trusted lieutenants in, really, didn't he? want to play. He you know, managers, managers often do that, don't they? Go back to players that they know can do a job and that they trust. And I did think that that first season, actually... Um, for Alan under on, on Carlo. Um, I think when him and DeCorey both got into that around the same time, DeCorey was probably a bigger miss, to be fair, because I think he had a really good, really good season. But I think they both got injured probably like January, February time and missed a couple of months each, I think. And that was very important for us not qualifying for Europe that season, I think. I think DeCorey was a massive miss, but so Alan was a big miss too, and not having either of them. We couldn't really replace them. Davis came in, but otherwise we were relying on Gomez a lot, really, and stuff like that to sort of try and try and rescue things. And it just uh, we just didn't get over the lines to finish in Europe. But I really think if had those two, had those two stay fit that season, we, we probably would have finished a you know, solid six or seven for something like that, you know, and just about crept into Europe. There, it was a big mess. Um, you could rely, you could rely on him. He'd always give his best. Um, I'm a bit surprised he's um, been edged out a little bit, but at the same time, I don't think it's the wrong decision either. His wages and um, the the players that we signed in, you, you, it's hard to argue that the players that have come in are, um, you know, that, that they are they are definitely an improvement, really. Um, and at his age, it's a good time to move on. But with well wishes for me, certainly, I think he, uh, you know, I like them. And yeah, good luck, Alan. I'd say. I'd give him a seven out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. What he did at Everton, um, mm-hmm. I thought as if he he was a, a, a steady, experienced player that at times improved us. Um, although I, I don't, he was definitely a player with limitations, and whether that came with his age, because I remember when he was much younger when we were linked with him, um, I think he was a, a lot more energetic than what we saw potentially. Um, I never really, I never really got what he was. And, and that's maybe because we didn't see him properly play his position. I would say um, I never really, I never really understood what kind of midfielder he he was in an ideal world. Um, I think he was probably a bit further forward than what we played him for the majority of his time. But I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got nothing against Alan. I think um, he 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 clearly got it. He embraced it. Um, I liked all the stuff after the Crystal Palace game. He was on the pitch with his, was it his wife and kids? Like way, way after all the fans had gone and taking pictures yeah. and stuff like that. And, and you know, it, clear, it clearly meant something to him that, that he played here. Um, it could have been better, but I, I yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. Re- regardless of any of that, it was the right time to, to get rid of him. Really, it was the right time for him to go, and we've seen that happen. Not happen. Sorry, over the last few years too many times where a player like Alan has run down his contract and you have another what did he have another year uh, another year of those wages one more yeah um and we've, we've not done this enough you know in getting a 31 year old off the books when there's a 20 what 20 21 year old just come in the door the other side so so yeah right move by the club nothing against him I think it was probably suits all parties um, shame that we didn't see him maybe in a better team, maybe in his rightful position, but okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I just think it's ironic that now that we've got Idrissa Gay in, the team's probably better set up for Alan 
now than at any time <laughs> yeah. when he was actually here, you know, because he's not, he's not a true number six. Um, I, th- he, I always thought he was a lot better going forward or just sort of giving that, that license to go and hunt the ball down and, and sort of with someone behind him to cover, then he have much more sort of relieve him of that responsibility. Um, and I, obviously now that we have, you know, we have better and more promising players across midfield, he's fallen to the bottom of that, that pecking order. Um, and I think he was on close to 90k, 100k a week. Um, so if he is going to be sixth or seventh in the packing order, then it does it doesn't make any sense to keep him around. And you know, we we very much are sort of pivoting to you know a, a new a new team and the, the kind of the next generation. But uh, I mean, yeah, in his first season, they, they were, I think he got injured at Burnley. I think he did his hamstring or his groin at Burnley, whichever one it was. And everyone, I remember thinking, well, that's you know a significant loss. Um, and there, there were times last season when we really, really needed him. You know, when he got injured, uh, not injured, when he got uh, sent off at Newcastle, we, we were really gutted that we were going to be losing him for three games because he was important at the time. But he's obviously, obviously not that important now. So, uh, yeah, good luck to good luck to Alan. It felt like his. Um, that feels like it's almost his defining moment for me at Everton was that. <laughs> the red card against Newcastle. It was like uh, in a weird way with Everton won the game if that hadn't happened, but it was, it was such a weird, such a weird game, wasn't it? Um, but, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't. He, he can't have started too many games after that. Obviously, he was suspended for three, and then um, he can't remember many games after that. I think he's been starting at Anfield. Um, not many more um, than, than that after that. It's commendable for him as well, though. I'm sure I'm sure the money's good where he's going, but like uh, it's commendable that he's uh, wanting to move on and play. You know, as, as as Andy said, it's plenty. We've seen plenty of players rather than move on. Just no, thank you. I'll sit on this on this big contract and then leave for free and you know, however many months. Um, so good on him for sort of, you know, I don't want to sit around here. I want, I want to go and play good, you know, good on him um, for doing that. Cause we've seen, seen many, many who've chosen the, the easier option to stay. So yeah. Well, good. Well, before we get on to looking ahead to Southampton, one team of course, that has been in action over the an Everton team that's been in action over the international break is Everton's women's team who finally got their, uh, their season off, uh, off and running, uh, which was yeah, obviously disrupted by, um, you know the funeral arrangements for for the Queen. The disappointing result at West Ham, um, but then they of course they follow that up with a magnificent performance at Anfield. To I think that's now their third victory on the spin there, which um, would be a, a nice habit for the <laughs> for the men's team to pick up anytime soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, just before we actually hit record tonight, they uh, grabbed an injury time winner uh, against Leicester. Uh, the goal Leicester keeper had a bit of a mare um, turning Hannah Benison's free kick into her own net but uh, yeah that's an, another Everton team that, that is having to sort of stabilise um, get back on an even keel after a really rough season but it seems like with um, Brian Sorensen in, in charge they, they've got the right uh, the right man in charge the right man for the job I didn't uh, yeah I mean I can't I, I, I've got to be honest. I I, I haven't um I, I haven't followed the Everton women's team an awful lot. But when I saw they were playing Liverpool and it was on Sky at Anfield, I thought, well, I'll, I'll tune into that. I did have that. Oh, should I? You know what's going to happen? Being being, being an Everton, <laughs> Everton in Anfield and blimey, didn't he? Were they fantastic? It was um I was really impressed. And um like I said, I've never I've never really watched um watched the ladies much, but since I think I've seen them last watching watching them, they. 
markedly improved. They must have must have signed a lot of good players in. I'm, you know, I'm talking with very little knowledge about them, but I was really impressed, and uh, I'm really made up. It looked, I was just keeping an eye on the score before, um, and yeah, albeit in fortunate uh, circumstances by the sound of things, they've, it's, it's great that they managed to back that up with a win because it was very much so much thinking of the old classic Everton, you know, Lord Mayor's show of just you know you win. You win one, then you blow it the next game, sort of thing. And they, um, <laughs> yeah, good on them for you know for uh, for getting that win. That's hope they can carry on because the standard, the standard of women's football certainly improved an awful lot. And um, hopefully that encourages me to sort of, and hopefully a lot of others to sort of watch it a bit more because I haven't up until now. So yeah, I might hopefully try and give it a try, and hope many many others do as well. I think it's a really important time for for the women's game. Full stop. Having what happened in the Euros, but and also an important time for Everton because if they can somehow ride the crest of that wave then and be one of let's say the more successful teams this season when there's so much spotlight on the on the women's game after the summer I think it would be brilliant for the club and I think there's there's now a real sense that that something is is happening at Everton I think that they've they've been pretty average for a couple of years um but it just seems to be clicking a little bit, a bit like the men's team, actually. The the, the, the cor- you know the correlation is there in terms of the whole club feels like it's going in the right direction after difficult times. And and um, I mean, just seeing the seeing the the, the players uh, celebrating on the pitch at Anfield, and and obviously the mobile phones were out. I don't know if you saw any of that footage on social media, <laughs> yeah. and they were giving, you know, giving out the toppies, and you know, it, it feels like the city's the, the, blue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, and I think that there is that. There is that kind of um, there is that meeting point between between the, the two the two senior teams, you know, the men's and the women's, um, and I, I I feel like I feel like it's going to be a promising season, probably for for both, but especially for the for the women's team. Um, I mean, I remember. Do you remember when Dominic Carvert Lewin did that post match press conference? Uh, probably under Carlo, I want to say we just won ourselves, and his first question to the interviewer was, "How did the the, the women's team get on?" Do you remember? And they kept it in. This was going back a couple of years ago, mm. and I, I felt at that point there's a real chance here, you know, to, to because this Everton family being what it is, there's a real chance here to 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 really feel that the women's team is is, is really integrated into the whole club. And I, I feel there's another chance of, of that happening now, especially with the mood around the women's game. So uh, it was brilliant. I mean, the second goal at Anfield, the way she takes that down and attacks the. That the the, uh, the the right side of the pitch, and then just when just when you think she's going to lash this across goal, to come yeah. inside. I mean, oh, you know, um, a level of calmness you very rarely see from the men's team in front of goal. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, fantastic, really, really very good. I, I'm a, a bit like Paul, I'm, I'm just so pleased to see them get any win tonight, just to follow it up, and all of a sudden, you know, you never know, do you? I know a title, know a title charge when I see one. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 really encouraging because I think last last season the way that went, there was I, there was a fear I, that this could implode a bit, um, which would be a massive shame after the previous season because I think the match that you're talking about they might have been in the FA Cup final, Andy. I think maybe yeah. that's the game that Dominic. So you know they were very much in the ascendancy then, and they had some some great players, and then they've they've had a bit of an exodus in the last few months, but they've seem to have recruited really well to, to plug those holes. Um, and, you know, it, it's great for them to, to be on the upswing again because 
they've so Everton as a club in in the women's game has been kind of at the at the forefront of it for a long time, um, without ever really sort of scaling the heights that your Chelsea's now have, and and obviously Manchester City with uh, with all their investment. But I mean, if you look at um, a number of those players who from the um, from the team that won the Euros over the summer, they all came through Everton, and a number of them came through Everton. Um, so there's, you know, they've got a really proud record. Um, and so it's, yeah, as I say, it's really nice to see that they're, that they're, they seem to be on the upswing now, um, and, and sort of making, uh, making hay of some, of some good appointments. And, um, congrats to Tony Dugan, who's, uh, missing the rest of the season through pregnancy. So that's a, that's a very nice story as well. So all positive from uh, from, uh, yep. from from all fronts at the moment. Just need Mashiri to stick around, don't we? And <laughs> keep it all on the straight and narrow, you know. <laughs> Just keep yeah, keep the keep the stability. <laughs> all right, so uh, looking at, looking ahead to Southampton, um, obviously the uh, the one enforced change will be that absence at right back. Uh, there seems to be been a, a, a bit more of debate about Seamus Coleman. Um, in, in the last few days, and I thought they would be. Um, he is—he's obviously the the natural choice. Um, and I mean, yes, obviously he's in, he's advancing in years, but I think that he's he's more than an adequate replacement. Um, he, although he hasn't played that much football so far this season, but I think the the, the big issue with Seamus Coleman was not so much um, the levels that, that that he wasn't able to attain. It was more the fact that he just couldn't cope with the number of matches that were coming thick and fast at certain parts of the season, particularly when he was involved at international level. And obviously he's gone away with Ireland, but he hasn't played this time, which is great for us. Um, and I was obviously hoping that he wouldn't play. <laughs> Lord knows we wouldn't need, don't need another international injury. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, the, the, there, wasn't, and there wasn't much to suggest last season that, his, you know, his levels and his ability had dropped to any great degree. So I think, um, I think he just plugs straight into that. He's plugged straight into that spot, um, and hopefully without too much disruption. Yeah, he'd be fine. I mean, I think if he was, if he was having to, if he were playing three at the back, then he, and he was having to play wing back, I'd worry about that. But I think in a four four two, if, um, sorry four four three three. Sorry, I think, I think he's, uh, I think he's fine. Um, I guess the only worry is if he, yeah, his injury. I suppose if 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 the games get too much, I mean, there's there's a couple of, well, I think there's only maybe one week when we've got like a midweek game as well, and like, yeah, if he's, having, if he's having to play all of them, how much we can so we haven't really got you know anyone we can play in, in there instead, really, have we? Apart from unless unless um, Stanley Mills gets given an opportunity, um, yeah, like you, I was watching how is if he was going to play in the international games. You think he came off the bench against Scotland for 20 minutes, but. Um, yeah, I was just hoping. I was glad to see he didn't play the game after that because you were just convinced there was going to be another injury um, there on the game. But I've certainly got no uh, no qualms. I think that's um, it, it, it's kind of a <clears throat> the kind of almost I'd say like the perfect sort of backup, isn't it? And that like you want you know you don't you don't really want like a mid you know a mid twenties backup right back because why would they want to be a backup right back they you know their ambitions to be playing at that age you should be like a young up-and-coming backup who's, who's already in the team in, in Nathan Patterson or you know an, an experienced uh, experienced head towards the end of their career who can do a good job like look at Milner across the park for example he's he's he's, he's done that for a good few years now filled in them positions and he's been you know integral over there and uh 
you know, plays the plays the key role uh, on and off the pitch. And Coleman is the same sort of ilk, I think, same sort of character. Who can, you know, obviously he's a captain. He does a lot off the pitch. I think Frank said in his, in his interview today, he's been, you know, the biggest sort of cheerleader for for them for Nathan Patterson and the way he's uh, been performing this season, which says so much about Seamus. So. He's got the character. He'll be fine. Um, no qualms about him at all for me. Um, sure, he'll do fine. I too was very surprised there was even a debate. I, I don't understand why there's a debate about who's going to play right back. <laughs> it's, it's it's obvious. You just put Seamus Coleman because otherwise you're interrupting other parts of a functioning team. I mean, unless you're going to put Stanley Mills there, which would be a very strange decision considering his age and his experience. Um, I don't understand why there's any. Any uh, any debate? No further questions, Your Honour. Um, it's um, it, it seems like you've got the, the club captain who's played more than three hundred times for the club um, hasn't had the burden of international football recently, apart from getting into some kind of scrap at the end of the uh, the last game when he came on for five minutes. Um, it, it, it's a no brainer. You keep the rest of the ten the same. Well, Pickford comes back in, but you keep the rest of the ten the same, and he'll slot in and we know what we're going to get and we know what we're not going to get these days. So um, it might affect slightly what happens further forward in terms of patterns they make when, you know, if Patterson's not there, then okay, you can't maybe expect somebody to be overlapping the whole time, but that's much better than trying to put somebody else. I even heard a Wobie in the the week. I'm thinking – why on earth would you take him out of central midfield? He's been the best midfielder in the Premier League this season. So, yeah, uh, debate over. Col- Coleman goes in and just stays there for however many weeks Patterson's out for. Unless Holgate's fit. Unless Holgate's fit. Holgate could come back in and just maybe fill in for a little bit of the end of the Patterson injury if he's fit, maybe. Godfrey even. But at the moment, it's got to be Coleman. Yeah, I was going to make the point about Holgate and Godfrey approaching... Um, you know their their returns from injury, um, and I think the the the, the prospect of Awobi was raised in, in terms of would Lampard go back to a five man back line, which I really hope he doesn't, because you know as you say, why take Awobi out of his um, you know what is his best position, um, and we've certainly looked far better since we've made that transition to four three three. So I think, like you say causes as little disruption as possible you know put Seamus in there and then I mean as you said Paul there's only really that that one week um which what is it we're playing Tottenham and then Newcastle and Palace I think in the space of a week so that's really the the one that you'd have you have concerns about I mean obviously in an ideal world if we're playing um easier teams you'd like Seamus to play maybe an hour and then you introduce Stanley Mills you know we've got a couple of goals to the good and you know you can kind of introduce him that way I don't think we're going to have that luxury given the the teams that we're playing but uh yeah I'm 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 not concerned my con- I, I would be more concerned if he would if he changes the formation of the team to bring Coleman in and, and as, this, as you say moves Iwobi around I hope he doesn't do that um the other the other issue, I suppose, is around Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I didn't actually see Lampard's um, press conference today, but I gather he was fairly non-committal about um, Calvert-Lewin's situation. Um, <laughs> it's uh, th- there's been talk of, of the fact that he's sort of tweaked the groin just as he was getting you know back back to fitness at the back end of last week, um, and that's why he or the week before that's why he was left out against West Ham. Um, 
it, it just seems as though we're going to be dealing with these niggles until he can get some kind of run of matches together to, to, to just sort of get his, his body right. Yeah, it's hard. It's becoming increasingly hard to to remain positive about um, about Dominic, isn't it? And um, unless it was a bluff by Frank, but I, I don't think he tends to get into them them sort of like you know mind games. Really, does he? Like if he's trying to sort of like kid um, Ralph that he's that he's not going to be available or whatnot, then haha, he's playing. I don't I don't really think Frank's <laughs> that sort of a that sort of guy. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I don't know. It's a shame, isn't it? With a with uh, with the way it's going, it's 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 just it's, it's one of them uncomfortable things which comes up kind of each week, which we discuss really. It's just like, what more can you say other than like we just need them to get a run of games and get fit. And the longer this goes on, the the louder the doubt has become, and you know, and the then the more difficult it becomes to defend. Um, so that's just uh, yeah, you just got to hope that he can get himself fit because uh, he could be a good player. At what point do you know, at what point do Everton have to make that decision of, you know, we need to look elsewhere? You know, I, I don't know. It's um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Obviously, they're by no means at that decision now. But at some point, if if this persists, they're going to have to do something like that. Um, light of options, aren't we? If he's not available, uh, it's just Mopé. Um, I can't imagine they're going to ask Rondon to play. He's been away in Venezuela and his his father passed away. Um, so I, I wouldn't have thought he'd be involved. He's had a bit of a rough time. Um, so, yeah, we're very light of options up there. Um, and, and that's Dominic's obviously available. So, yeah, let's just, just see how that goes. Was the quote that Frank Lampard used, um, we're considering whether to... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's about as vague as it gets, isn't it? Um, but I, 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 I too wonder why we're still only considering it. I mean, on a fitness level, on a performance level, I, I, there's a debate to be had whether he would go in anyway if he was fully fit because no pay's been doing well. But but on on a level of are we considering whether he's fit enough? What's happened? I mean. He was. He was. Uh, I always read quite a lot into what the Everton main social media feeds put out and what they don't. And before the last game, on like the Monday and the Tuesday, Monday or the Tuesday before the West Ham game, they had him finishing off a shot in training, and it had like the uh, the kind of the dartboard and the on target Dominic or whatever. And they don't normally do that kind of stuff if this guy isn't going to be playing for three or four weeks. I, so something's clearly happened. And I mean, like you said, Paul, how, how long do we, how long do we kind of see how he, how fit he can get? I mean, in January they're going to have to move, aren't they? Surely. Um, I wonder whether that was partly the, the thinking with the Alan deal to to free up some some wages or some funds to 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 go and get somebody in January because it, you know. It can't really go on too much longer now, can it? No, I think they'll move for someone regardless. But apparently, he he felt tightness in the groin just on on the sort of Thursday Friday before the before the match, and so they made the decision at that point not to uh, not to risk him. I mean, you would think and hope that you know a week or two weeks on two weeks, yeah. that, that that would have improved. Um, but uh, as you say, he, the, Frank's not one for 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 the mind games ahead of uh, ahead of matches to sort of fool the opposition managers. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, a bit of luck. He's available. Who knows? I mean, maybe maybe he'll just be with all 
just be made up when we see the team and that he's on the bench. You know what I mean? Just uh, yeah, with, with nine subs, I don't know. I suppose it's it, it just yeah. I was going to say maybe maybe it'd be worth just even if he's not quite fit, having him on the bench. But then you're leaving yourself open to like, oh, get him on. We're losing. Get him on. You know, white white. You know what I mean? Cetera, That's the problem. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, if he, yeah, if he, yeah, if he's not fit, why is he on the bench? You know what I mean? It just opens up all sorts of like uh, other potential sort of criticism, I guess. So yeah. Bit of, a, yeah. bit of a tough one, really. You say, how's everyone see the game going against Southampton? Uh, is everyone optimistic? Uh, it's a never, <laughs> never a happy hunting ground for us. Remember, the, remember we, used to, we used to do well at the Dell, didn't we? Years back, I'm sure. We used to always do quite well down there. But uh, um... It was never an easy place to go, but we did. We have had our fair share of decent results down there. But the last the last two seasons, I mean, they we are due a, a decent performance out of our team at that ground because yeah. you know the last the last two times Southampton have, have really played us off the park. Um, oh, they battered us last season, didn't they? Yeah, and it wasn't even close. So I mean, just <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we will get we will get a better performance. Um, I don't think we could have been we could be much worse than the last two <laughs> visits down there. <laughs> I suppose it depends what Southampton we face because they're a strange team themselves aren't they I mean to, to to lose so convincingly as they have done this season and then to go and beat Chelsea and then to you know they seem to be kind of they seem to flit between being a club in some kind of turmoil to then getting a few results that makes you think oh Southampton are a good side um so it depends which one we get I guess um I mean it shouldn't matter we should like you said we we should we should be and I think are now a much more um, robust prospects than what we were a year ago, or whenever we played them down there last time. Um, and I would, I, I would hope it'd be a much closer game than than the one down there last year in terms of the balance of it. Um, I think we'll get that. I think we, we're bound to get that with the setup we've got now and the players we've got. Um, I mean, I was, I, I allowed myself to think today. I was driving today. I allowed myself to think what a win would do. I mean, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? You get the you get the away win off your back, so that's another mm-hmm. monkey gone. Yeah, um, we would probably shoot up the table, and then you then there'll be real momentum. Then you'd be talking like, "Wow, okay, this is this is this is really really good." You can see Everton losing in the last minute two one down there easily. I mean, you you could <laughs> you could see any kind of result. Yeah, there, yeah anything could happen. <laughs> Talking of the Dell, I, I think the the Dell was one of my first Everton away games I ever went to, and the one the thing that stands out the most about that whole trip was the chant "Who needs Cantona when we've got Barry Horn?" <laughs> yeah, he scored that day. He scored Classic. that day, and I, I I just remember thinking, "Wow, um, what a chant!" Yeah, <laughs> my memories of the Dell. So I think they're like visits to St. Mary's. He said, yeah, we were dreadful there last season. But I've got no memory of the, of the one the season before when the car went in the, with, with no fans there on the Vancelotti. Did we lose there? It was, the one, it was the one straight after the derby. Um, Hamas Rodriguez was playing oh, yeah, with whatever yeah, strange yeah. testicular injury he picked up when, he, when <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah. Van Dijk clattered through him. And then, you know, he was sort of in and out and on in and out of form and, and, and fitness <laughs> for weeks after that. Um, Richarlison was suspended and I think it was um, one of the first games that Anthony Gordon actually came in and we sort of got to try and have a look at what he was like and, and it was just it just was it just was bad it was terrible yeah I remember now yeah I remember like Southampton being too up and just like flopping to the ground every time anyone went, went anywhere near them and yeah. yeah not that they're the only team that do that but uh, 
Yeah, we never do that. It was a year before that when Richarlison scored a good goal and we won 2-1. And Tom Davis yeah. scored as well under Marcus Silva. Yeah, we sneaked, one, yeah, sneaked the, ball the win down there. The ball coming yeah. from the right to the left and Richarlison kind of kind of run onto it at the back post. And I remember the the, the year in green. That was at Southampton. Yeah, that was, that was the one yeah. I was going to mention. Was That was the, the one that really sticks out when Lukaku scored and it was the, the army kit. And Barkley yeah. scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, he scored a great goal, Barker. Yeah, if I yeah. recall, yeah, 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 the year in green. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, <laughs> I did go a bit nerdy in preparation for this game. Went, but went a bit because I knew I was going to be sort of working so late tonight, and then sort of jumping straight on this. I went full on nerdy uh, last night and uh, went straight through. Like looked at all the players for Southampton who've been playing, looked at all the Everton players, where they've been playing in international duty, who's going to be more tired, and etc. etc. <laughs> Turns out it's very, very even, so it's an absolute waste of time. But like uh, one thing, a couple of things that stood out: players who um, might perhaps potentially be due a rest on either side. I might come back a bit jaded from having played a lot of football over the last few games. One would be Mikalenko, just played, played, played on Wednesday. He's played. They've played three games in Ukraine. A lot of teams have only played two. He's played. He missed the first one with, with a knock, then played the full ninety minutes of the next two, and it was a. Real soggy pitch away in Poland against Scotland on Wednesday. It was, you could tell the players were so drained by the end of it for both sides. He's played two games, so he's put a lot on. I don't know if he put Vanagra in. He seems quite a fit lad and a gritty player. I, I, I'd assume Mikelengo would probably play, but there could just be some sort of fitness fatigue risk with that. Um, and one for um, uh, for Southampton was the uh, midfielder Armstrong, who's played pretty much, worked his nuts off for like three, four games there, played pretty much. Uh, and he's a good player then. Um, so I wonder, I don't know if the, again, if that's a player, might not be available. Che Adams as well. He's played a lot in the last couple of games. So there's a few players there who might, you know, might not quite be on it or might just be, you know, might be rested or whatnot. But um, most of ours probably, you know, a few of them went away like Cody and didn't play. You know I mean? Coleman. Gay played a couple of friendlies, bits of them, you know what I mean, stuff like that. And Arnold played a bit of a game. Awobi played a, a friend, you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. shouldn't have been too bad for most of our players, and likewise for most of the Southampton players too. There you go. <laughs> well, if we if we face the Southampton that played Aston Villa in their last match, I think we'll be okay because they were dreadful. <laughs> yeah, they were. That was so an awful game. More of mm-hmm. that, please, Mister Hasenhutl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, uh, we'll do our weekly question. Uh, and, and in view of recent comments from uh, Rafael Benitez and Ronald Koeman, either trying desperately to gloss up, gloss up their jobs they did at Everton or just exhibiting a uh, severe case of amnesia, uh, this week's question is, what are other examples of Everton or something to do with Everton that really made your blood boil? Well... I'm, I was actually sitting at this very desk I am sitting at now, which is in a little kind of home office um, for mine. And I remember it so vividly. You, you know, all like, you know, sometimes when you, you have a bad Everton experience, but like it's away at Anfield or something, you just come away and you feel a bit numb. You feel a bit kind of like, oh, Everton. But this was a real aggressive slap this desk as hard as I possibly can, shouting something that I probably won't repeat now. The whole family, I think some of the neighbours heard it. Um, I'll take you to Stamford Bridge. In 2016, we'd gone 2-0 up against Chelsea. Yes, yes. John Terry'd scored an own goal, which is fantastic in itself. Then Then we scored a very good goal through Kevin Morales, I seem to remember. Then they kind of came right back into it and scored two very quick goals of their own. 
I think it all happened in the second half, was my memory. And usually Everton would go on and lose the game then. You know, that, that usually Chelsea would score about 82 minutes and then it would be 3 2, you know. Um, and then we popped up with our own somehow from Funes Mori. Um, it all went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the away end was ballistic. You can imagine Funes Mori when that happened. Um, he's probably still celebrating it now. But it was, it was <laughs> unbelievable. We were at Stamford Bridge and winning. And then in the 98th minute, John Terry yeah. scored an offside goal, which is clearly offside. Yeah. And, oh, I, I, you know, when, you, when you, you do something kind of in anger and you, like, you, you, you at this point, I, I slap the desk and it actually really hurt. <laughs> um, and it was one of those I mean we drew I probably would have taken that beforehand but it was one of those Everton games where it doesn't leave you feeling numb or kind of frustrated it just left me with pure anger that we'd allowed, allowed that to happen and it was just so typically Everton and I remember was it not long back after we'd done the same at Bournemouth or was Bournemouth yet to come no I think it was Ooh. after Bournemouth yeah um, oh Oh, it took me ages to shake that off. It oh, was that, horrific. Oh. That, that Bournemouth one was just ridiculous, though, wasn't it? And yeah. that, like the, you know, we'd scored the winner, and then Roberto Martinez makes a sub, which gave like the referee, oh, well, I've got to play a bit more time now because if he just if he did make the sub, he'd have won the game. That would have been it. <laughs> so I remember, I was just, oh, that was you made me angry. That's 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 by one now. <laughs> so the um, it's, it's hard for me to not uh, for it to not be something to do with Liverpool FC, unfortunately, my one and the the, the one I was just we were so angry to the point of all going coming back from the game, literally like arguing with each other and getting so angry was when when we lost one 0 there with when they stuck the kids out in the cup and they beat us one 0 oh. that was such a humiliation. It was so um, it was so embarrassing. It was so um, uh, I, I can't think of a time I've been more angry after that. Um, during the other ones probably involved well um when Rafa Benitez labelled as a small club I was just I, I was just few furious about about all that and then became even more furious when we when he became manager of Everton I couldn't believe it. I actually lost a lot of love for football for and Everton for quite a lot of while then once he came in I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. But um yeah probably that the Merseyside derby when we when we lost to the kids was just so unbearable. So I was at the game and it was just so unbearable to be there. That's probably the one which left me the angriest I can remember being. Oh, my, that my blood that match was was incomprehensibly bad. <laughs> it was right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seriously. I think and it wasn't statistics. Something like Gilfie Sigurdsson, who was the most, um, not the most senior, but the the one that you'd look to in that particular instance, didn't touch the ball for twenty minutes or something. I mean, it was unbelievable <laughs> how bad we were that night. So yeah, if I'd. Uh, if I thought of that one, that might have been mine. Too. <laughs> um, my mine were concerned, sort of off the off the pitch things. Um, I initially thought of going with when we appointed Allardyce, which oh, yeah. was just. Yeah. I, oh. I mean, it just it just was uh, it, it it was it was sickening really. Um, it just just what it said about Everton Football Club and and, and the depth to which we descended on the one hand, and on the other hand, just. Mashiri's inability to read the room and read the, you know, just read the, the, the reaction around it and then to go and then compound that with Benitez. Benitez, Benitez made, I mean, I suppose they both made as much sense really if you're, 
you know, Allardyce was was sort of an appointment to, so kind of a panicked appointment where he first thought that you know his investment might go down the pan. The Benitez thing, on paper, in his mind, probably made sense as well. But I mean, it was just a it was just a mistake all the way around. But the the thing that 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 I came back to was was the twenty thirteen badge debacle. That was the um, that was the thing that really made my blood boil from from Everton on a non sort of non footballing perspective made my blood boil because again they'd had they'd sort of floated a trial balloon where this image was leaked a few months before was it on a, on a lunchbox or something and it circulated on Twitter and I was like where the hell's that come from and I, I you know if they, if they ever thought of making that the new badge then there'd be hell to pay and then they made it the new badge and there was hell to pay and so <laughs> the only the only obviously the good thing that came out of it was that the fact that they atoned for it um they you know read the reaction and and, and fixed it but that was uh uh, from a, a non-footballing perspective as the time when Everton made my blood boil. Oh, do you know what? I've forgotten the... Well, I, I, I hadn't considered the badge. <laughs> it was it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually had a good team as well. We actually had quite a good team at that point, didn't we? And it was all kind of, you know, rosy in the garden, really, from a, from a footballing point of view. Oh, the badge. Look like a GCSE project. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in the um, I was in the club shop, the Everton Two club shop. Um, forget why I was obviously doing some shopping, and um, some American guy worked for Nike, and they were they were they were like just like I don't know what you call it, like spot asking sort of like ideas was like from fans in the group. So they, they, they as me and catch you on the way out. It's like, excuse me, you know, just like to show you this like badge concept. What do you think of that? We're like, oh, we were like, no, 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 that's, that's, no, that's not right. That looks way too sort of like childish. That, no, no, it just doesn't seem right. We were as politely as we could. Said, oh, okay, thanks for your feedback. I don't know. And I can't imagine you got too much positive feedback from there. More likely, nobody, nobody sort of batted an eyelid at the feedback that you got probably, or mm. it didn't get, it didn't make it back. <laughs> but like, so I'd seen this thing and thought, you know, by the time it Come on, I, you know, when uh, completely kind of forgotten, really. I didn't think anything was ever going to come from that guy showing me this to that actually be actually being the badge. But uh, yeah, soon didn't realize the significance of it at the time. But not that I'd have been able to do anything. But yeah, yeah, that was... I didn't realize that they'd focus grouped it to that degree. They I mean, did. Yeah. It, it didn't look, it didn't seem like they'd done any research whatsoever. But uh, oh well, they, as yeah. I say, they they rectified it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you like just like got a bit of negative feedback from the adults, or just like start from now on. Just ask any 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 kid that comes through, just ask them what they think, and then yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe like the swayed the, uh, the demographic targeting, swayed the swayed the opinion. Maybe I don't know. The Fisher Price badge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it for another week. I do check back in with us next week. Uh, when we'll dissect the Southampton game, look ahead to the visit to Goodison of Manchester United and chat about whatever else unexpected goings-on occur to do with our beloved club in the meantime. Until then, thanks again for listening, Blues. Take care and up the toffees. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 